It was really encouraging after the first service, a lady came to see me and she said, thank you very much for your talk. I found it really helpful. And sometimes you get comments, uh, most of the time you don't particularly, and that's all fine. But um, I said, oh, how, what about it was helpful? And she said, well, 20 plus years ago, I think it was 20 years ago, a relative died and they had prayed for this relative. And she said, I've had a problem with God ever since. She said, and this morning I realized that my faith has to grow. And she said, and I've done business with God and we're all right. Love it. 20 years of her and God having had a bit of a fallout. And this morning, God just met her and it's been put right. Isn't that wonderful? I love it. Um, I would really encourage you to get notepads out this morning. I'm going to just like fire loads of things at you and like notepads or phones or scratch it in your arm or I don't know, however you want to record this. But there are going to be some things that you, some Bible references and some things that I think you're probably going to want to make a note of. We, um, we had like notepad frenzy in the first service. We must have had at least three people who bothered to write some stuff down. So let's see if we can make it four. That'd be amazing. And this morning is uh, just it's a massive subject. We're still in the, we're still in the um, miracles series that we've been running. And I was asking the Lord, which miracle do I do now? And in my, um, one of my Bibles, I have a list of all Jesus' miracles or what they consider to be all of his miracles. I think they've forgotten some, but anyway. Um, and as I scan down the list, just saying, just speak to me, God. The one that seemed to stand out of the page was um, Jesus casting out a demon from a young child. So I thought, oh God, I need a second opinion. Uh, but it didn't budge. So that's what we're doing this morning. Uh, we are looking at that. So I'm probably going to leave you with more questions, uh, more questions and answers, but that's fine. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you your Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. We want our hearts to be open to you. We don't want to learn more about you as such and become learned. We want to discover more about you and be transformed. If you are, if you've got a Bible or you just want to make a note of the reference, it's Mark chapter 9 and I'm going to start reading about verse 14. It says, now when they came down the mountain, I'm going to stop straight away and quickly tell you, they came down the mountain. Jesus has just been up the mountain um, with Peter, James and John and he has been transfigured that is to say, these bodies are not the bodies we will have in heaven. Um, some of you uh, will be relieved about that. I don't know but how you feel. But... And Jesus' body was transfigured. It was transformed in front of Peter, James and John's eyes. And, um, and he had a conversation with Moses and Elijah who, who appeared there as well. And so they all had these heavenly bodies for, a, well, Moses and Elijah already did, but Jesus for a temporary time. Peter, James and John were also there, saw all this happen. It must have been the most amazing thing ever. We don't know how long they were up there because it doesn't particularly say, but then they came down. So this, this is what they've just come down from, okay? When they came down the mountain to the other nine disciples, they noticed a large crowd of people gathered around them with the religious scholars arguing with them. 
The crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking towards them, so they immediately ran to welcome him. So Jesus said to his disciples, what are you arguing about with the religious scholars? A man spoke up out of the crowd, teacher, he said, I have a son possessed by a demon that makes him mute. I brought him here to you, Jesus. Whenever the demon takes control of him, it knocks him down, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples, hoping they could deliver him, but they weren't strong enough. Jesus said to the crowd, oh, why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him to Jesus. As soon as the demon saw him, it threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Jesus turned to the father and asked, how long has your son been tormented like this? Since childhood, he replied. It tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into fire or water. But please, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, what do you mean? If, if you're able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears saying, I do believe, Lord, help my little faith. Now, when Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly growing larger, he commanded the demon saying, deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The demon shrieked and threw the boy into terrible seizures and finally came out of him. As the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everyone thought he was dead. But Jesus stooped down, gently took his hand and raised him up to his feet and he stood there completely set free. Afterwards, when Jesus arrived at the house, his disciples asked him in private, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And he answered them, this type of powerful spirit can only be cast out by fasting and prayer. So, demons, let's launch straight in. A very real thing. So I'll give a very quick bit of context just to explain. For those of you who like demons, I thought that was like a cartoon character, etc. I thought your demons were just those things that haunt you. Yeah, there's a reason they're called demons. Um, so demons, originally Satan, as far as we can tell from the Bible, Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, the accuser, whatever name, has a whole load of names. And as I said in the first service, never with a capital letter. Doesn't earn that right. He was in heaven. And he was one of the angels in heaven and decided, we don't know how, when, but would want to become like God and try and effectively challenge for God's throne. He was then thrown out of heaven along with roughly, considered to be about a third of the angels. You can pick this up from various bits of the Bible. Isaiah 14 is one, 2 Peter, there's a bit in there too. And so there are a third then of these fallen angels and they are called demons. And you have Satan, devil, is their boss. They have one main aim. They loathe God. They loathe anyone created in God's image. That's us. They loathe anyone that declare allegiance to him. That's also probably most of us. And the enemy's job is, as far as possible, to be able to disrupt our relationship with God. That's his main aim. Destroying us if he can. 
It is that sense of a strength of loathing that the enemy has for us. The ultimate weapon that the enemy has or had, both are true, is death. And that's why we sometimes sing, oh, death, where is your sting? Because Jesus beat the ultimate weapon that the enemy had. So in Jesus, when it says we escape death, we haven't got time to go into that. We physically, most of us probably, will uh, die at some point physically. But eternal life with him has started already. Okay, before we get too far into that. So... Demons are real. This is the point. Even right now, right here, you go to other cultures, you go to Africa, you go to Indonesia, you go to other cultures, and you would say, are demons real? Oh, my word, yes. Like, everyone would say yes. In this country, we bow the knee to science. And we say, well, they can't be real. Because that's what we do in this country. That's what Western culture much more does hasn't quite realised yet that actually science is only the proof of everything that God has already declared. But science catches up, and we love science. I personally love science. So, there are two mistakes we can make with the demonic realm. We hardly ever talk about it here, but there are two mistakes we can make. One is to overfocus on the demonic realm. There's a demon behind every corner. You drop a piece of toast... That wasn't me, that was, a, that was the demonic that caused me to drop my bit of toast. No, you probably just need to hold your bit of toast more carefully. Someone said to me after the first service, yeah, but it's the demons that make sure it falls face down. Like, well, if you know, <laughs> that's as maybe. It was said tongue in cheek before you go and quote that person. <laughs> but anyway, but the other mistake we can make is to deny the demonic realm's existence. C.S. Lewis, a very famous author, he wrote a series of letters called the Screwtape Letters. Has anyone heard of the Screwtape Letters? Has anyone read the Screwtape Letters? Oh, okay, it's about five of you. Uh, that's good. So the Screwtape Letters are... Screwtape was a senior demon, and he was writing to his nephew, Wormwood, giving instructions, uh, and he, because he was a younger and less experienced demon, and he was charged with guiding a man who's known as the patient towards our father below, the devil, and away from the enemy, which was Jesus. So he writes these various letters. My dear Wormwood, he says, I wonder you should ask me whether it's essential to keep the patient in ignorance about your own existence. That question, at least for the present phase of the struggle, has been answered for us by high command. Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping your patient in the dark. The fact that devils or demons are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you if there's any faint suspicion of your existence and it begins to arise in his mind. Suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it's an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot possibly believe in you. The demonic realm is absolutely there. It's absolutely present. People say, I don't believe it because I can't see it. That's just a foolish argument. You can't see electricity and you can't see wind, but we believe in those. So let's just go with, you don't have to be able to see them. If we ask for the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, you will see probably more, perhaps, than we sometimes bargain for. 
So we have this demonic realm, and here we have a dad, and he comes straight to the point. A man spoke up out of the crowd, teacher, I have a son possessed by a demon. It's not your usual first line when you're meeting someone for the first time. Uh, that much must be said. And this is a really difficult subject. It's a very difficult subject. It's not really the kind of thing we say these days, at least not in this culture. I have this feeling that if you went into the doctors and you said, doctor, sounds like the start of a joke, doesn't it? Doctor, doctor, I have a son possessed, I have a son um, and it, he falls down and he foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth and his body becomes stiff as a board. And the doctor says, your child has a demon. I'll give that five minutes before that's on social media. And within a week, that'll be a complaint to the General Medical Council. A month, probably struck off. But the dad comes straight to the point. My child has a demon. Really hard. That's a difficult thing to say. A very, very difficult thing to say. And while we're just on the subject, while we're there, Christians and demons. As a Christian, can you have a demon? No, I don't think you can, not from what I read in the Bible. You have been bought at a price. If you said you're yes to Jesus, you have been bought at a price. You are owned. If you're possessed by anyone, you're possessed by God. He's bought you at a price for your freedom. So you can't then be possessed by something else. So you can be oppressed. It doesn't mean there isn't demonic activity all around you trying to make your life a misery at times, but... A Christian, as far as I can understand from the Bible, cannot be possessed by a demon. So, how do we know then, how do we know whether this, the, what we're facing is a medical issue or a deliverance issue? So, you could, you could see someone in this predicament, you could see someone in a different predicament, and you would look at that situation and say, well, does this person need healing or do they need deliverance? Which one is it? How do I even know? Well, the most important thing to say is, is whether it's healing that person needs or whether it's deliverance that person needs, your source remains the same. That's the point. Your source remains the same. I can't tell you right now, ah, oh, if they do this, it's this. If they do that, it's that. It becomes very, very tricky. It, it ultimately, it becomes something that's discerned. But the point is, you go back to God. What do I do here, God? What do I do here? And if I were to ask many of you, how, don't answer this, how many of you have delivered someone of a demon, my guess would be very few hands would go up. Very few of our hands would go up. It's often left to specialists. You know, that person that we have that we call in when things get heavy. That person. The thing is, this gets a bit awkward here because only, um, what chapter are we in? Nine. Only seven chapters later, in Mark chapter 16, that matched up with Matthew 28. So Mark and Matthew, both books that tell about the life of Jesus. Both of those combined, the last two chapters, get called the Great Commission. And Jesus said this, these signs will accompany those who believe. Item one, in my name, 
They will sing lovely songs on a Sunday morning. They will join a rota, item two. No, 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 no. Item one, in my name, they will drive out demons. Item one, it's not even put in like an appendix at the end. It's not put in a subsection. 5B, part two, section C. Item one, Jesus says. It's very quiet in here. And I know why. Because it is an awkward subject. But I do pray that the church, and that includes me, us, we, will wake up to our mandate and all the authority we have because of what Jesus has done. And you need to know this. You cannot medicate a demon. It doesn't work. You cannot medicate a, de a demonic issue. It doesn't work. So we go back here and it says, this dad is still speaking, he's described how the son is. And then he says, I brought him to your disciples, hoping they could deliver him, but they were not strong enough. Oh dear disciples, what is occurring? Now if you read back, you'll see the disciples have already done a fair bit of deliverance. They know their stuff. They've done this. They've already, Jesus has already assigned them authority as a 12, etc. And depending on the chronology of the, of the, uh, the 72 plus, etc. He's assigned them that authority. They've already cast out demons. So I'm, I mean, for all I know, they were being a bit, you know, over, like that over it, you know, so this is all a bit easy. I don't, know, I don't know what went on, but this wasn't a foreign thing to them. That, oh my goodness, it's a demon, I don't, know, I don't know what we do. Like, well, we've done this, we know what we do. But unfortunately for them, suddenly it wasn't working. Like, ah, it's worked on the last five. This one, this one isn't working. That's what Jesus walks into, because they've tried to do it, it's not happening, and Jesus walks in into the middle of this where they've ended up having a bit of a scrap with the religious scholars. Because the Pharisees did deliverance as well. As do, as do Catholic, the Catholic Church do bit, quite a bit of deliverance. But you see, the thing was, it wasn't working for this reason. Not all demonic forces are created equal. Not all demonic forces are created equal. But the good news is this. Every single one of them is defeated already. You walk into a battle of which the war has already been won every time we encounter anything to do with the demonic realm. I don't care how senior that demon might be in rank because um, there is that sense of order. I don't care how senior they are, they've already lost. They've already lost. Jesus has already won. They have been overturned. This is their final lap of dishonour before being thrown into the lake of burning sulphur. Revelation, very end of the Bible. Just go to the end, read what happens to them in the end. So, if they're not all created equal, what about you? Could you? Can you cast one out? Can I cast one? Can, can we do this? I mean, it, it, absolutely, we can. Jesus makes it really clear. Actually, when he sends out um, the group of disciples and some, he says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. He says that to them. Then he says this. I think this is in the Matthew 
end of Matthew part of the Great Commission, he says this, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, blah, 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 etc. All authority has been given to me. And he said, I've given it to you, so go. So I'm telling you now, there isn't, if you said you're yes to Jesus, there isn't one demonic situation that you could come up against for which you have not got the authority to deal with. You need to know that, because that's actually really good news. I know it was a silent cheer, but it's really, really good news. So listen, the thing about authority is, it's got the word author in it, and the reason we have authority is because we are connected to the author of that authority. So we have authority, and we have to grow in it. Both are true. Let me say that again. We have the authority, but we also need to grow in it. So I'm about to explain this to you. I'll give you a little example. I, along with other people, I have a, a, a gift. One of the gifts I have is being able to play the piano, play some music. I'm going to need the piano one in a minute, please. Um, is music, okay? There is this wonderful piece of music by a guy called uh, Rachmaninoff. He was Russian, Sergei Rachmaninoff, and he wrote a few piano concertos. Uh, his first one was a bit of a disaster. Well, he didn't think it was, but the critics did. They panned it, and he went into a depression. And to come out of his depression, in the end, a friend said to him, why don't you write another one? And I'm so glad he did, because in my humble opinion, it's the finest piece of music that has ever been written and is my single Desert Island disc. Now, I can't play it because it's way too hard. It's way too hard. And I can play the opening in my own made-up version. It's not even the proper notes. But um, it, um, it starts like this. goes on right so that is amazing I have the gift to be able to play but what I haven't got yet I have not yet developed that I have not yet practiced enough to be able to do this same piece of music
It is such a beautiful piece of music. So can I play Rachmaninoff's Second Piano Concerto? Do I have what it takes? For the purposes of this, let's say I do. <laughs> I wish. But anyway, when I first started out, I started out with this. And I've taught lots of people to play the piano. And you always start with the same thing, belly button in front of middle C. Like that. And that is where she will have started out. The same thing is playing the piano, but she has stretched herself, pushed herself, worked very, very hard. She has exercised the gift she has been given. Do you see that? So while we're on it, let's look at some of the things that we could be doing, therefore, that will say, well, I want to be able to work up to doing some of, some of this stuff that we're talking about this morning, some of this, um, you know, seeing people delivered. I mean, it feels a bit heady and a bit big, and, and I, I understand that. But what can happen, particularly as people who said yes to Jesus, particularly if you said yes to Jesus a long while ago, you might say, well, I, I mean, every day I, I, I read my Bible verse. Uh, I, I can't really quite believe that I, I'm not yet feeling like I'm able to cast out demons. That's a little bit like me every day doing this. Then after a while. And then, if I'm really pushing myself. Like that, I do that every day. Next day I come and sit down. I do the same every day. And after 10 years, I'm no nearer playing Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto than I ever was. Because authority is a gift that needs exercising. And we have to continually stretch ourselves and push into realms that make us feel uncomfortable. So, Jesus, I brought him to your disciples, hoping they could deliver him. They weren't strong enough. Jesus said to the crowd, oh... Why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Just bring the boy to me. So they brought him to Jesus. As soon as the demon saw him, it threw him around, blah, 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 or this kind of thing. Clearly, Jesus expected that the disciples could do this. Jesus expected that there'd be people in the crowd who should be able to deal with this. I know this is a hard word this morning. I know this is tough. And it's not in any way meant to make any of us feel, um, oh, I don't even know why I bother. All I'm doing is repeating Jesus' words of saying what he actually was effectively saying there. If you, if you did something called contemporary contextualization, you move it around in time. What Jesus is actually saying, he's seeing this boy being absolutely tormented, the dad in utter turmoil, who wouldn't be, overseeing their child like that. And he looks at the crowd and says, Church, where are you? Why are you waiting for me to do this? I've given you the authority to deal with this. It shouldn't be me dealing with this. Sure, I can deal with it now. Demon, get out. But he's saying it shouldn't be me. He's looking at the disciples going, Guys, we worked on this. It was only literally a few verses before that the disciples had been saying to Jesus, oh, we, you sent us away and we did all this stuff and even the demons submit to us. 
And Jesus said, yeah, 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 yeah. You should be more pleased your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Actually, names are written in heaven, but, um, but yes, yes, absolutely, you know. But Jesus was so gracious and kind to this dad who said, basically, he said, I need help. How long has your son been tormented like this? Since childhood, he replied, it tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into the fire or water. But please, if you're able to do something, anything, can you have compassion on us and help us? And Jesus said, what do you mean if? If? And he's not telling him off, but he's saying, if? Oh, my word. Disciples, they got another glare for that one. If? Didn't you tell him? I've been here all this time revealing to you what the Father's like and the way you pass it on, the way you, that you present that information to other people, is it they're still left saying, if you're able to do something? And again, Jesus isn't, he's not having a go. He's not like angry with them. He's just, oh, how much, how much longer? My word, I thought you would have got this by now. Anyone who's a teacher, you'll have been through that. Feeling sometimes in a class. I thought you'd have got this by now. I'm out of ideas. He says, if you're able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. Oh no, that's going to need tipex. That's too uncomfortable. I just need my Bible tipex. Um, we've all got Bible tipex, haven't we? Right? I mean, we all use it. We just get to a verse that we don't really like, and we just oh no, just don't feel comfortable with that. Um, all things are possible to the believer. I tell you what, if we, if we make that, most things. Uh, that, that will really help us all and ease our consciences. I know I'm playing with you, but I'm playing with me too. What do you mean if, you, if you're able to believe all things are possible to the believer? When he heard this, the boy's father cried out with tears saying, I do believe, I'm trying. Help me in my unbelief. He's like he's got a ladder of faith to climb and he's on the bottom rung going, I'm stuck. And Jesus, just so gracious, so kind, says, I'll give you a bunk up. I'll push you up a few rungs. Come on, we'll do this. We'll get this sorted. Just so kind of him. So kind. You see, the thing was, what the dad hadn't done is the dad hadn't developed his faith. The dad had never got to the stage of developing his faith enough to be able to tackle some of these things. We're getting a little bit back to kind of like the practice thing. So what we have, the trouble is, in this situation, faith isn't something you can grab in a moment, but you grow it in a lifestyle. You need to write that down, by the way. Faith isn't something you grab in a moment, but you grow it in a lifestyle. Don't wait until you're overboard before you try and learn how to swim. It's generally too late. And faith is something we grow and we grow and we cultivate it and we put those things in our life that helps our faith to grow so that when we need our faith, we can draw on that resource. Do you understand what I mean by this? Is that clear kind of thing? Yeah? Good, okay. Not, much, not many nods, that's okay. And what happened here was suddenly the, the, the dad needed like a, it's so hard to put numbers on it, let's put a level eight faith. I'm not even saying what it's out of because I don't know. But you need a level eight faith and he's only level one. It's like someone saying to me, Chris, you need to play Rachmaninoff, second so computer, the Church, now! And I'll go, I can play Good Good Father. Uh, like, it's that thing. 
Whereas if I've been working away in the background and working away in the background and I've been practicing, I've been practicing, someone says, Chris, rack two, I go, <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't, I'd never, I don't think I'd ever do that. About the rack two, it's way too hard. But anyway, you need massive hands, Barbara and the you have really big hands. But as the church, I can't seem to avoid what it says here, what it says throughout the Gospels, that we have the mandate to cast demons out of people and out of situations. And this can't be done outside of relationship. Notice the disciples went back to Jesus and said, uh, it worked before. We did the same thing and it just wasn't working. Thank goodness you came along, Jesus. And they said, Jesus, why? Why didn't it work this time? What, 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 what did we do wrong? And Jesus, just obviously as, as wise and astute as ever, said, ah, you use the wrong te- technique, you've got to use your left hand for this one. No. He said, you've got to dig deeper for this. This is a strong one. You've got to dig deeper. You've got to press more into Father God. Do that in prayer, in fasting, in worship. Lean more into him. Give more time to it. We're not going to be able to ever play Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto if I do C major scale every day of my life. At some point, I'm going to have to invest more time. I'm going to have to get a teacher to show me, to help me, to guide me. I'm going to watch other people's fingers. How do they do it? How do they even move that fast and still get the right notes? How do they build those rhythms into their life? She's not even reading music because it's such a rhythm for her. It's a pattern. It's just a pattern. She's learned it. It's in here. It's an instinct, if you like. And that's when God says to us, this is your role. Let it become an instinct to you. So we are going to stand and pray because we need to finish. Father, it's such a tough word this morning from this parable. But we don't want to reduce what you've called us to do just to the measure of our comfort. And we're willing to be taken outside of our comfort zones and wrestle with some of this stuff. I pray against anyone feeling condemned in any way or like they're inferior. That's not your heart and it's not mine, Lord. Instead, I feel like you're inviting us up to say there are some people that need your help and they don't need medicating. They need releasing from the demons that are on their life, in their life, around their life. Father, we want to be a people that somehow embrace what you're asking us to do. We love you. You're amazing. Thank you for all that you are. And just to say, if there's anyone who has never said yes to Jesus, you've never actually given your yes, everyone's got their eyes closed for a minute. We try and give this opportunity pretty much every service. If there's someone here who has never said yes to Jesus, then I encourage you, just, and you would like to, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand and we would love to encourage you, pray for you. Father, we give ourselves afresh to you. We want to be spent and used as like loose change in your pocket. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. 
For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.